Hello, everybody. Um, my name is Taryn, for those of you who don't know me. Um, yes, um, I'm married to Greg, and we have four beautiful girls, and it is a real privilege to be able to share with you this morning. I'm so excited. Every time I get this opportunity, I think, oh, maybe, I, I mean, I do, I get like a bit of butterflies, and I feel a little nervous, and then I'm like, actually... I feel like I'm home, like you're just my family, and I just have the opportunity to share what God's been doing in my heart with you guys. So it's just such a privilege. So thank you. Um, so today, the title of my preach is called the, the Gospel, which is the Revelation of Jesus. And so um, we have been going through a series called Seed and Salt over the past couple of months. And um, last week, Jody Romero was here. He's on the apostolic team, which we relate to with New Covenant Ministries um, International, which is NCMI. And Jody um, preached about going out with the invitation that we've been given and going to the highways and byways and, and telling people to come to the banquet. And so that was the apostolic message for us, which was so cool because he didn't know that we were doing the Seed and Salt series, and then he comes and, and tells us this word. So um, clearly, he's hearing the Lord, or we're hearing the Lord. <laughs> but um, yeah, I just want to continue on this, on this thread, because my heart is really to go, and is for the last. So uh, I hope today I can deposit something of that for you guys. There is a scripture in Matthew 24, verse 14, which says, and this gospel of the kingdom will be preached in the whole world as a testimony to all nations, and then the end will come. And um, that means, the end means Jesus is coming back um, for his bride, and, um, but he'll only come back when the gospel's been preached. And so, let's hurry up and preach the gospel so that Jesus can come back, right? <laughs> Because we want him and we need him and we're longing for him. So um, I was like, okay, great. Jesus has given us a mandate and a message. We've got a gosp the gospel. So I'm like, what is the gospel? What is, it? what is it? What is the gospel? We have to go with this invitation, with this gospel. But what is it actually that we go with? And so today I would like to bring you some helpful tools. But to tell you what the gospel is, so that you can have it inside of you, so that when you go, you can give it to others. And um, so the gospel is the revelation of Jesus, and the word gospel means good message, like a, messen a message or a messenger that goes with a message. So they used to run down from, that's how the comrades, they used to run down with a, a message down to Durban, Someone would run, and they, they are the gospel, they're bringing the gospel, they're bringing a good message. And so we have a message, but what is the message that we bring to people, and how do we do it? Because you're hearing all these things like, scriptures like Galatians 1, 11. I want you to know, brothers and sisters, that the gospel I preach to you is not of human origin. I did not receive it from any man, and nor was I taught it, but rather I received it by a revelation from Jesus Christ. Mark 16, 
Verse 15 says, Go into all the world and preach the gospel to all creation. Whoever believes and is baptized will be saved, but whoever does not believe will be condemned. Romans 1, For I am not ashamed of the gospel, because it is the power of God that brings salvation to everyone who believes. Ephesians 6, verse 15, Have your feet fitted with the readiness of the gospel. 1 Thessalonians 1, Our gospel came to you not simply with words, but also with power and with the Holy Spirit and a deep conviction. And in Revelation 14, Then I saw another angel flying in midair, and he had the eternal gospel to proclaim to those who live on earth, to every nation, tribe, and tongue. So there is a, a call across the whole of Scripture about this gospel that we must go with. And it's repeated over and over and over again. And surely we must understand what it is and what we're going with, if we must go, if that's the command. And so, because it is a revelation of Jesus, this morning I would like to bring a picture to you of who Jesus is. And so, if you've come to salvation and you know Jesus as your Lord and Savior, then you would know Jesus, you know him inside, you know who he is, you have a relationship with him. But we're walking out our salvation until we either die or he returns. And so we are saved, we are being saved, and we will be saved when he returns. Um, we are justified when we come to Jesus. We are being sanctified as we outwork our salvation. And one day when we die or he returns, we will be glorified. And so we are going through this process. So we are continually understanding the revelation of who Jesus is ongoingly. You can't say, okay, cool, now I know Jesus, now I can carry on with my life. We have our whole lives to know Jesus, to know who he is. And um, over the past couple of months, Greg and I have been doing a course with a friend, uh, Peter and Christy Lewis. They were here with us a few, a few months ago. And um, they um, have been going through with us about um, Jesus, a revelation of Jesus. And I just thought God's really deposited something in my heart about who Jesus is, and I'd love to share that with you. Um, so my main text this morning is from Hebrews 10, and it's verse 19 to 25. So I'll read it once over, and then I will go into a bit of detail. So it says, Therefore, brothers and sisters, since we have confidence to enter the most holy place by the blood of Jesus, by a new and living way opened up for us through the curtain that is his body. And since we have a great priest over the house of God, let us draw near to God with a sincere heart and with the full assurance that faith brings, having our hearts sprinkled to cleanse us from a guilty conscience and having our bodies washed with pure water. Let us hold unswervingly to the hope we profess. For he who promised is faithful, and let us consider how we may spur one another on toward love and good deeds, not giving up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing, but encouraging one another, and all the more as you see the day approaching. Amen. I can sit down. That was amazing. <laughs> 
Oh my gosh. Okay, so we are going to dissect what this scripture says. So the first part of the scripture is, since we have confidence to enter the most holy place by the blood of Jesus, by a new and living way opened up to us through, his, through the curtain that is his body. Okay, so the first picture of Jesus that I'd like to bring to you today, which is actually the first way that the Father revealed the Son to the world, is as the Lamb of God. So John the Baptist, when the first time that he saw Jesus walking towards him, I don't know how he must have felt, but he knew Jesus was coming. He knew the Lamb of God was coming. And John the Baptist in John 1.29 says, Behold, the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. I mean, can you imagine that moment when John the Baptist sees Jesus and he calls him the Lamb of God? And so just to give you a little bit of history and a little bit of context, um, we were in the, um, Adam and Eve were in the garden in God's presence. They were with God. They dwelt with him. They had a relationship with him. And then sin entered the garden and they could no longer be in God's presence because there was sin. And so by God's grace, he withheld his presence from them and they, they left the garden and they were separated from God. And in the Old Testament, God had a plan for his people to somehow draw near to him. And so what he set in place, and if you read the Old Testament, you'll see all of this outworking, is he set in place um, a priest, which was a certain person who was from a specific family line. And this priest would represent all the people, all God's people, all the people of Israel. And this priest would have to sacrifice a lamb. And it had to be a pure, spotless lamb without defect. It couldn't have a broken leg, couldn't have a sore eye. It had to be a perfect lamb. And the lamb would, they would kill the lamb, the priest, and he would pour the blood of the lamb, sorry to be a bit gory, but he would pour the blood of the lamb across the altar. And then the priest would be able to draw near and petition and intercede on behalf of the people. And so this would happen every day. There were different rituals for different things. But once a year, the high priest would be able to enter into the most holy place, which was inside the temple. So they had built a temple, built a temple, and there were different places that you could enter in and in. But in the middle, there was the Holy of Holies, which was the most holy place, which is like a, a room with a big, thick curtain where God's presence dwelt. And once a year, the high priest would slaughter this pure and spotless lamb and then be able to enter in, and only him. And it was a beautiful thing, but that wasn't God's ultimate plan. That was just a, a moment in God's plan. His ultimate plan was to send his son as the pure, spotless lamb. And by his blood that was shed on the cross, and by his body that bro was broken like the curtain, he's made a way for not only one man, just a priest, but for all of us to be able to enter in. 
And so Jesus, the Lamb of God, can I just tell you what happened to him? He was betrayed, he was tortured, he was beaten, he was whipped. (laughs) He wore a crown of thorns, he was nailed to the cross, he was pierced on his side, he gave up his spirit, he died, he was buried, and he was resurrected on the third day. Can I just say that if you dwell on what Jesus did on the cross, it'll overwhelm you. If you take five minutes in your day and think about Jesus, him dying on the cross, and the sacrifice that he did, he was the lamb, he humbled himself to this to this, he was pure and spotless. I'm sorry, I get emotional about it. I'm like, so he was tortured and beaten and this was for our griefs and our sorrows and our transgressions. He was whipped, which saves us from our diseases and our sicknesses. He wore a crown of thorns, which is the, the curse He took the curse of our minds, the strongholds in our minds. He took it for us with the the nail and the crown of thorns. Cursed is the man who was hung on a tree. He was pierced. His side was open. He, He bled out of the side of his body, and then water came out. He bled so much that even water was poured out, and then he gave up his spirit. And in 1 John, it says, that this is so that we can be born again through blood, through water, and spirit. So he gave up his spirit, he was died, and he was buried. And this death frees us from the bondage of sinning again. He destroyed our sinful nature on the cross. He destroyed it. He was resurrected on the third day, which means that this allows us to walk in the newness of life, as new creations, and we walk by the Spirit. So in Hebrews, it says, In the past, God spoke to us through our ancestors and and through prophets at many times and in various ways. But in these last days, he has spoken to us by his Son, whom he appointed heir of all things, and through whom he also made the universe. The Son is the radiance of God's glory and the exact representation of his being, sustaining all things by his powerful word. And after he provided purification of sins, he sat down at the right hand of the majesty in heaven. And when Jesus hung on the cross, he said, it is finished. And what he meant by that was that the work of the lamb is finished. The work of the lamb of God was finished which means that we no longer, now today, have to sacrifice a pure spotless lamb. We don't have to do that anymore. We don't have to go to a priest, take a lamb, get it slaughtered. We don't have to do that. Jesus was the lamb. He was the pure spotless lamb, and it is finished. The work of the lamb of God is finished. But he wasn't finished. He continued. He went, ascended, so he was raised to life, just to give you the story. And then 40 days after he ascended to heaven in the clouds, and right now, Jesus, right at this very moment, just think about it, Jesus is seated 
next to the Father at his right hand as high priest. Jesus is now the high priest. So the work of the Lamb is finished. So in, back to our Hebrews 10 text, it says, And since we have a great priest over the house of God, let us draw near to God with a sincere heart and with full assurance that faith brings. Let our hearts be sprinkled to cleanse us from a guilty conscience and having our bodies washed with pure water. And so now we have the privilege of entering and having God's presence with us in our everyday lives. We don't have to go into a temple, into a most holy place. We can actually have God's presence with us. In Acts 2, it says, He was exalted to the right hand of God, and he has received from the Father the promised Holy Spirit and, poured out, and, he, and has poured it out for us, which is what we now have available. And so your body, right now where you're sitting, is God's temple. If you have received Jesus as your Lord and Savior and you've been washed by his blood, then inside of you is the most purest, cleanest place. It doesn't matter what you've done. It doesn't matter the sin. You've get, Jesus took that for you and you've taken him inside you and it's the most cleanest, purest place because of Jesus, not because of what you've done. And therefore, Jesus gives us the Holy Spirit, which is God's presence, which was what was inside the Holy of Holies, to live inside of us. In John um, 14, it says, Jesus says, I will ask the Father, and he will give you another advocate to help you and be with you forever, the Spirit of truth. The world cannot accept him, because it neither sees him nor knows him. But you know him, for he lives with you, and he will be in you. And Jesus ascended to heaven, and he's sitting next to the Father, but he hasn't left us alone. The first work of the high priest, which is Jesus, the first work that he did was he baptized us in the Holy Spirit. So he ascended into heaven, he sat next to the Father, and then 10 days later, the disciples were in the upper room, and the Holy Spirit was poured out upon them. And so I can just imagine Jesus going to the Father and being like, and the Holy Spirit, they're all there together. And they're like, yes, now we can go down and dwell inside of, of your people, of your children, because of the blood that you shed, because of Jesus, because of the Lamb. Now we can go down and be with them in their hearts. They don't have to keep on doing all these rituals. They, Jesus, the Holy Spirit, God's presence can now be inside us. I mean, think about it. I'm like, I'm surprised we don't explode when we have God's presence inside of us. If you actually think, like, what we're we talking about, it's quite radical. Like, God's very presence inside of our hearts, come on. It's radical. <sighs> okay, so we've got Jesus, the Lamb of God, Jesus, the High Priest. This is just an historical picture of what they had to look, what they looked like. But Jesus is now in heaven as high priest. And the, the last part of that scripture, would say, which says in Hebrews 10, let us consider how we may spur one another on towards love and good deeds, not giving up meeting together, as some are in the habit of doing, but encouraging one another, and all the more as we see the day approaching. 
Jesus is not going to sit on that right hand forever. He's actually coming back. He's coming back to the earth. He's coming back. He's coming back as bridegroom, judge, and king. So there's a lovely picture, Greg chose that one, of the bridegroom is coming back for his bride. And we, all the people who have his very presence inside of us, we the ones who he's cleansed and he's inside, we are his bride. We are his bride. And so, scriptures to show you in Hebrews 9, so Christ, having been offered once to bear the sins of many, will appear a second time. Not to deal with sin, but to save those who are eagerly waiting for him. Jesus is not going to come and deal with your sin when he comes back. Now's the time he's going to deal with your sin right now while you're on earth. When he comes back, he's going to come back to those who are eagerly waiting for him. Now's the time. So if you're struggling with sin, get before Jesus and allow him to wash you with his blood. Because he's got a whole lot of blood for you that he shed, that he paid the highest price for. And accept, accept his forgiveness, accept his salvation, and be cleansed of your sin. The sinful nature is dealt with on the cross. And we now get to live as new creations waiting for our groom. In Revelation 1, it says, Behold, he is coming on the clouds. Every eye will see him, even those who pierced him. In Revelation 19, it says, Let us rejoice and be glad and give him glory, for the wedding of the Lamb has come, and his bride has made herself ready. So we have the opportunity now that we've been cleansed by his blood, and we can enter his presence because of Jesus being the high priest who intercedes for us on our behalf. And now we eagerly await him as bridegroom. And so to all the couples out there getting ready to be married, which I can see a few, you're getting ready for the wedding. You get yourself ready. You get your dress ready. You, get, you get, make sure you're losing some weight. You get, make sure you've booked your hair and you're getting all, you've got the food, everything. There's these great preparations. And so we have this opportunity now, from now the moment that we're here to when we die or Jesus comes back, to get ready for his return. And what a privilege, because it says here, I just want to turn my page. My page is sticking together. It says, um, now, now, dear children, in 1 John 2, continue in him, so that when he appears, you may be confident and unashamed before him at his coming. So if you knew that Jesus was coming back next week, Thursday, let's say he was coming back on Thursday, this week coming. If we knew he was coming back on Thursday, what would you do differently? What would you do in your life if you knew, okay, if Jesus is coming back on Thursday, ooh, better get that relationship right, better say sorry to that person, better tell my children I love them, do whatever you need to do to get, because you know Jesus is coming. That's how we need to live. That's how we need to live our lives. It says in, um, in 1 John, it says that you need to remain in him. 
You need to abide in him until he comes. So you know when it's that picture of the, a branch, a main branch, and then they attach the olive branch, they graft it in, and then what happens is that branch remains in the main mother branch, which is getting its sustenance from the roots, and then that branch abides in the other one. It remains, it stays. It's like God's presence is continually flowing. It's like there's no load shedding with the Lord. It's, it's like he's continually flowing. His presence is always flowing. And we can always and continually abide. It means to, abide means to stay in, to be grafted into his presence. And we get to do that now on earth as we are waiting for him. And there are, there are lots of scriptures about his return. And I, I don't want to go into them all. But while we're waiting, we repent continually all the time. We're repenting before him. We're abiding in him. We're dwelling. We're letting him be in us. We're hoping in him. And hope brings purity. And we preach his word. We tell others about him. And so that's when I, I want to move my preach on now away from who Jesus is to how do we share Jesus now that we know him. Now we've had this amazing, oh my word, we're carrying this amazing revelation of who Jesus is. I've got to share it. I've got to tell others. I can't be quiet about this thing. And he's coming back. And if you don't know him, that's a scary place. And you don't want to preach out of fear, but do you know Jesus? Do you have a revelation of Jesus? Do you have something to go with to other people? You know, when Jesus comes back, and we sang about it on this morning, on his white horse when the, the clouds split open, it says this is how he's going to come back, and he's going to come down. Are you going to be able to say, I know him, me and him, we're close. Will you be able to say that? Will you be ready? Will your jar be full of oil when he comes? Make sure it is. You've got this opportunity now, before you die, to do that. Okay. So, from Luke 10, there is a moment where Jesus sends out the 72. Okay? So, the 72 have seen Jesus for who he is. They've seen him as Messiah, Lamb of God. They understood him. And then he sends them out. And this is what he's been saying to us as a church. He's been telling us, be seed and salt where you live, right? And so, so that's, he gives us a strategy. Jesus gives us a very detailed strategy of how we can share him with others. And I just wanted to share this with you and then just give you an example of, of how a practical outworking of this, just as an example. Okay, so in Luke 10, Jesus is speaking to the 72 disciples or you know, 72 um, believers that he has gathered. And he says, go, go into the towns and go two by two. Don't be laden with heavy things. Don't be burdened by things. Go with the gospel and the power of the Holy Spirit. Go with the message, the invitation that is the Lamb of God, the High Priest and the Bridegroom. It's in Luke 10. We, you can read it. It's quite a long passage. But he says that the harvest is plentiful and the workers are few. 
Ask the Lord of the harvest, therefore, to send workers. And then Jesus says, I am sending you. And he says, when you go there, find the person of peace. He says, find a person of peace. And then if you find peace there, then stay there. And they will receive. If you don't find peace, then move on to the next house. And so Jesus is giving these disciples a strategy. And my encouragement to you today is that Jesus is sending you out into your workplace, into your spheres where you are. And he's asking you to find a person of peace. So you might say, well, what is a person of peace? So a person of peace is where God is already working. So let's say you're in an office environment and you've got a colleague who you, you know that God is already working on her. She like, she's quite open to God. She, well, she's open to you like praying for her. She's, she's maybe a contact or a person of peace. You could ask the Lord to show you specifically but it's generally those people who God is already working with. And then what you do is you partner with God by approaching her and sharing love with her. And you've got to ask God for the strategy. Well, how am I going to approach this person at my workplace? I don't want to like preach, turn or burn. You know, you don't want to be in her face. But you do want to approach her with the love of Jesus. So how can you do it? So often, a helpful thing, and these are just little tools, is to meet people at their point of pain. So often people are struggling with something. So it could be like, how are you doing today? Well, actually, I'm really upset because I've had a fight with my father and we're just in a bad place. And so she's just opened up a point of pain. Meet her right there, right there in the spirit. Say, okay, cool, can we pray for your situation? Can I pray for you? Um, you know, sure, I, I, can I tell you about how I have had my relationship with my father restored because of this amazing thing that I've discovered? And so that's, she's opened up a little bit and you enter and it's like you found peace. If you find peace there, she'll open up and she will receive it. But if she closes the door and she's like, no, I don't want you to pray for me, it's fine. Move on and ask God, okay, who's, who's next? Who else can I can I?" Can I minister to or share the love of God to? You know, in your workplace where you work is where God's put you. So the people that are around you, no one's going to have the impact. I can never go into your workplace and have that same impact. It's you. You are the person that God has put there around those people. And you can touch that person's life. Only you. And so... What you have the opportunity to do is just some tools. Is you have the opportunity to share what God's done in you. You can share your testimony. There's nothing that they can say if, if, you, if it's your own experience that you've had of God. So I share with people, did you know, like when I was 12, I had, I had a radical encounter with the Lord. He appeared to me. He forgave me of my sins. This is my experience. I'm sharing with this person. Or you can set an example in your workplace of integrity, uprightness, making good choices, not getting involved in things that are a bit shady, standing for truth. In your workplace, you set 
an example, you shine your light naturally as you come and go. But it's not only to do that. We need to take the step of faith and share. We need to find the point and the person of peace and actually step right in and take courage and say something. You know, we must speak up. The time is, Jesus is coming back. We must share his love. We must speak. Um, yeah, I get like a bit urgent there. And we also carry the Holy Spirit's power with us. We have the very presence of God inside of us like we just discussed. And um, he's inside of us and he can move through us. And if Susie's there at your workplace and she's feeling sick, Susie, please can I pray for you? Sure. Pray for her, lay hands on her and believe she's going to be, get well. Take a step of faith. And if she knows, are you the Christian person? Let her know that. Because when she's got a problem, she's going to be running to you. <laughs> so these are just little tools, right? So I just want to share a little story, just to end, about um, how I followed this scripture. I tried to follow it to the T. I was like, okay, Lord. So, I, I mean, we have a heart to go. We, we want to go plant a church like yesterday. I'm like, send us, Lord, to the nations. We want to fly, whatever. But I'm like, actually, you know what? I'm here in Durban. Send me, Lord. Send me here in Durban. I was like, tomorrow, send me, Lord. I'm available. Use me. So we have our home group meeting. And over the past couple of weeks, we've had this lady visiting us. And she keeps coming every week. Amazing. She's going, getting to know the Lord, and it's been incredible. And she keeps bringing a friend every Monday. She keep, brings a different lady every time. And I'm like, hey, what's going on here? Like, there's a bit of life happening here, you know? So I get, inquire. I'm like, so where do you stay? What do you do? You know? So she's my person of peace now. She's my person of peace. She's my contact. God's shown her to me and her friend that they've together. So... I said to her, what, what do you, where do you stay? No, they live in a ladies' shelter here in town, just down the road here. It's called Strollers. And uh, so I said, okay, can I come to Strollers? Because I was like, you are not going to be able to bring all those ladies to us here at Home Group. But we can go there because there's a big space there and we can go there. So I was like, okay, I don't want to go on my own because Jesus is go two by two, Right? So, I take a friend with me from home group. I know she's a powerful prayer warrior. And then I find another friend who's also keen to come. So we go together, the three of us, into strollers. And we walk in. And I say to, the, I say to this lady, I say, just gather whoever wants to come. Just invite them. Just say, come. There's this lady coming. She'll talk. Come and sit. You know? And we didn't take anything with us. We didn't take, we like, exactly like that scripture. We just went... No, no, nothing special. We just went there. We get there. <laughs> and there's like 70 ladies that have gathered. I'm like, whoa. <laughs> I was a little bit overwhelmed. I was like, oh, what now? Okay, now I really need the power of the Holy Spirit because I'm like, oh. <laughs> but can I just tell you? So I just said, okay, fine. I'm just going to share Jesus, the Lamb of God, Jesus, the high priest, and Jesus, the bridegroom. This woman who have nothing. I don't know. I mean, Jesus has a heart for the broken and the poor and the lost. I mean, it's like, and the down and out. You know, those who are at the, the end of their, their hope. And these ladies, we had like 
maybe 10 to 20 ladies that accepted Jesus that day are so overwhelmed. I mean, some of them are here today. They're sitting here in this meeting. And uh, the next week we did a baptism service at Glenridge. So they came and got baptized because they had given their lives. And now we meet once a week on a Wednesday in strollers with about 30 ladies that come every week. And you know, some of them, they don't even know Jesus. They don't even know him, but they want to learn. So they sit, we sit in a circle, and I'm like, okay, today we're going to read a passage of Scripture. We read together. We just read a simple story of Jesus, of what he did, like Jesus with the Samaritan woman. And I'm like, what does it say? What is God saying to you? Oh, my word. These ladies, they are like discovering who God is. They're just learning about him. The one lady said to me, she came, she visited our home group the next week. She said, I thought Jesus was white. I thought he was for the white people, she said to me. She said, I thought he was only for the white people. But she said, when I've read this scripture about the Samaritan woman, she said, I realize he's for me as well. And she gave her heart to Jesus, and she discovered Jesus just through reading the Bible. I mean, I didn't say to her, put your hand up, give your life to Jesus, repent. She has met Jesus, because he's not just for the white people. He's for all of us. And I'm like, God is like doing a revival in that place. We had a lady who was hooked on heroin. She cried out to God, God has delivered her of her drug addiction. It's not easy. It's not easy for them. But they're making good choices and they're seeking God and they're finding him. And you know what? Can I just say? It was so easy for me to do that. It wasn't like, I was like, come, Alice, come, Megs, let's go. We just sat there and we just shared Jesus. It was like we, did, we didn't like have this big crusade with speakers and we, and we just went. And there's life. And what I'm sharing this why I'm sharing with you is because I want you to find your people of peace. Find where God is working and push in a little bit. Just take a step of faith. Just push in and say, can I pray or how can I help? Or just push it. Or can I share something with you that God's done with me? Can I actually tell you about Jesus and what he's done? He's saved me. He forgave me. You know, one line that is an amazing line that you can use to share the love of God is to say to people, did you know that you are forgiven? Did you know that? I, I mean, I said that one time to the petrol attendant. I said, hey, we were just chatting, and I said, hey, did you know that you're forgiven, that your sins are forgiven? He's like, oh, I've been struggling with this thing, and it keeps every time I have to. And then he just began to open up, and I said, well, let's pray. Today, the blood of Jesus is going to wash you, and he's going to help you. It's going to free you of your sin." And it was, just, it was just a moment. But this is what I'm encouraging you to, to do every day when you go to your workplace or when you're in the shop. Go like that. And I always, I mean, Dawnie is a beautiful friend of mine, and she's always got beautiful stories of, of an open door, a person of peace, or, you know, an opportunity to share. And so if you need help, you can also talk to Dawnie. She's, she's got some great strategies of sharing the love of Jesus. But, um, yeah, that's, I just wanted to, to, to share that with you, that we go 
out into the world with a revelation of who Jesus is. And we take him to those who are lost. And, and I hope today that I've put confidence inside of you. And that I've given you a greater understanding of who Jesus is. And that I've built your faith so that you can go. Amen.